big hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Say this with me. Say, this is the best year I've ever had. Say, this is a year where all I do is win. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Greet somebody. Tell them you love them. Be friendly. Especially if you're a member here, try to be friendly. (laughs) Amen. Well, who's happy today? Who's blessed? Who had a blessed week? Come on, who had a blessed week? Thank you, Jesus. Love you guys. Thank you. Oh, I'm happy. I had, I had people contacting me all week about stuff they're breaking through, stuff's happening, people being set free from addictions. We're, we're receiving testimony. Kids getting touched by the power of God. It's powerful. Somebody, if you ever get a chance to, I mean, we should live stream Fresh Starts because they're, man, kids get set free. Kids get set on fire. You know, there's a common misconception that the Holy Spirit, it, with kids, they're not going to be able to receive like adults receive. I actually think kids receive better. Because <laughs> they're hungry. And then people get nervous when crazy stuff's happening in schools and in, in the world. Don't worry about those things. Don't get nervous. It actually causes people's hearts to get hungrier for God. It causes people's hearts to say, there's got to be more to life than this. So we're in good times. We're in the best times. Look at the person next to you and say, this is the best time to be alive. And as crazy as it is, think about how much faith God had in you that he would say, oh, they're going to be good for this time. I'm going to put them right here in this day, in this hour. There's a song, these are the days of Elijah. Look at the person next to you and say, these are not the days of Elijah. These are the days of, insert your name here. These are the days of you, amen? And what are we going to do for Jesus? We're going to take territory. We're going to kick butt and take names, amen? It's going to be a good year. And so, who, is there anybody that you were not here last week? Awesome, welcome. Well, we began a series last week called Win. I'm not calling you out to, to embarrass you, I was just wondering. We started a series last week called Win. And it's an evangelism series. Say evangelism. You might think, I'm not an evangelist, so now is when I leave or now is when I stop listening. No, that's not the case. Everybody, every believer is called to do the work of an evangelist. Every believer is called by God to be a signpost for Jesus Christ. Every believer is supposed to look blessed. And I have something to tell you. If you look blessed, people are going to want what you have. If you look happy all the time, people are going to want what you have. Because people don't understand. They don't understand that. Why are you always happy? And then they think nothing wrong happens to you. No, it's not that nothing wrong happens to me. I just don't run on that race. Jesus already ran that race. I'm on a different race in life. Can you say amen? When a challenge comes my way, and I want to clarify this because we talked a lot about winning. 
It doesn't mean that there will never be a challenge. It just means that whenever a challenge comes your way, you already have the victory in Christ and you have the the ability to overcome that challenge. Can you say amen? You actually already overcame it. So what do you have to do? You don't get distracted. You keep running. And as you keep running, you stay the course and God will work it out. And you might say, well, I feel like there's enemies all around me. That's fine. Just turn to Psalm chapter 23 where it says that God will set a table for you in the presence of your enemies. So while you have enemies around you, just begin to eat the goodness of God. Amen. That's what your year looks like this year in Jesus' name. So what I started off with last week was talking about how we are in a race called life. Say this with me. I'm in a race called life. The race we're in is life, and what, who we're racing against is not the devil. It is not your purpose in life to just go around always fighting the devil. You're not being attacked on every side. The Bible says that the blessed of the Lord, that when the enemy attacks you from one direction, he will flee from you in seven different directions. It doesn't say you won't be attacked. It just means when he attacks, he's going to meet some resistance and he's going to run away in seven different directions. Well, we talked about how he's one being. So one being running in seven directions looked like something's bad's happening to him. So he doesn't want you to know this. He will resist you from ever finding out about the Holy Ghost and power. You see, the enemy doesn't care if you go to church and you, and you learn about Jesus. He just cares that you find out who he is and you access what he did for you. That's why he won't ever try to shut down churches that keep the Holy Ghost out. He actually has people attending them. Not here. He runs out of here in stark terror. Amen. And so this is going to be a good year for you. Because you're not going to waste the thing you're actually supposed to be pursuing, time. You're not going to waste what you're supposed to spend your life doing. What is the one thing God gave to everybody an equal amount of in a day? Time. In one day, you have 24 hours. And you can spend your time in a day glorifying God or glorifying the enemy or yourself. And if you're glorifying yourself, you're glorifying the enemy. So I want to talk to you today about the importance of winning the lost at any cost, of taking your life for for the duration of your life and trusting God with it. But God, I want to do. God, I want to have. God, I want to be. If you take those things, Jesus said, if you will cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find life. And so how do we spend our life in the will of God, in the purpose of God, and on the right race? You do that by surrendering your will and your way to God and saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. Amen? I want to look at scripture from the Bible about what is God's will with people. Say this with me. Say, God loves people. God loves you. God loves you so much. Come on, finish it with me. He sent his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That was all New Living Translation. You guys are in unity. Somebody's like, I said eternal. 
Awesome. I want to encourage you guys, don't get caught up on, religion will get you caught up on like translations and all this stuff. The word of God is the word of God. Amen? There is some translations that you need to be a little whatever, but trust me, God will help you. The Holy Spirit will help you navigate scripture. Can you say amen? Don't waste your time being religious. Religion put Jesus Christ on the cross. While Jesus wanted to heal somebody, religious was worrying about what day it was. No, God cares more that they get up and they go around walking, leaping, and praising God than the fact that it is a a Sabbath. And they challenged Jesus. And Jesus corrected them and people still stick up for religion. Who put Jesus on the cross? Religion. Religious people of the day, Sadducees and Pharisees, put him up there. People are like, you're dancing in church. I'm not listening to the message now because they danced. Come on. We're going to get a little more undignified than this. You think this is, watch what happens. At the end of this year, when all we do is win, you better watch and see how we praise God. But you're doing dance moves. Well, look at the kids. How amazing is it that the children are in the house of God on a Sunday praising the Lord? And you can't make kids praise. They catch it. That's why, look, my son, he's going to catch it. Amen. My son, Cameron, going to catch it. He's over there like this. But there's going to come a day. Because God's already speaking to him. My kids are baptized in the Holy Ghost. My six-year-old daughter is baptized in the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in in other tongues. And my son, Cameron, is baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I think if Levi knew what he was talking about, he'd be telling me how he's baptizing them. I could tell you the day it happened, pure conference. And although we make our kids go to church because it's discipline, I feel like I'm just dealing with some thoughts in the house today before we get in. It's discipline. You teach your kids to be faithful. Guess what? If you do this, they will know how to show up at work and not call out because it's been three days since the last time they called out. So now I can call out again. You teach them to be faithful. Why can we be faithful for everything else? But when it comes to church, oh, I had other plans. Well, guess what? On Sunday, I have other plans. These are them. And I promise you, if you begin to honor God, he will give you time to do everything else. There was a time when I-9 soccer wasn't on Saturdays. God changed the whole schedule for me. Praise the Lord. Now my kid can play soccer. It was on Sunday mornings. Then they opened a park, Winter Lakes Park, and the I-9 that's at Winter Lakes Park is on Saturdays. Thank you, Lord. Because we were talking about soccer. I'm like, I can't do that. He wants to play. You guys think I'm crazy because I think God did that. But I'm telling you, if you start believing God for some crazy stuff, he'll come through for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so God cares about people. God cares about you. God gave up his only son for you. And we think of that, as sometimes we think of that in a broad sense. But God actually did it just for you. 
I remember one time God showed me that if I was the only, because people say this all the time, if you were the only person on the earth, I would have died for you. Who's ever heard somebody say that? Jesus would have died for you. If you were the only person on the earth. Do you want to know who you would be if you were the only person on the earth? Think about it. You'd be the one crucifying him. What kind of heart is that? That because the Bible says that it was because of the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. What is the joy set before him? That one day people who could never come to God will be able to come. That one day where you used to have to go through a man to get to God, now you can come to him boldly. Sin wouldn't separate you any longer from the loving arms of your heavenly father. That is the joy that is set before Jesus, that he was able to endure the cross. Because think about it. Even if he said ahead of time, yeah, I'll do it, which he did. He prayed about it. He said, Lord, if this cup could pass for me, take it. Why? Because he was human. Tempted on every front. But never did he sin. But he did it for you. And Jesus said, even if you you were the only one left, you would have been killing me and I still would have done it because I love you. You think about that, God. Another reason why Jesus did it, you want to know another reason? It talks about in John chapter 14 that Jesus did it because it would glorify God to the people of the world if he obeyed him. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And so people matter to God. Over everything else in this life, people matter to God. You matter to God. Your prosperity in this life matters to God. But more than he cares about your prosperity, he cares about your eternity. Can you say amen? Amen. Say this, God loves me me. and God loves my enemies just the same. So we have to get rid of our enemies. That doesn't mean take them out. That means take the enemy thing out of your heart. Fall in love with what God loves, and that's people. I'm going to go into this in a second, but this is important to start with because if people don't realize how much God loves people, then they'll never be willing to to win souls. If you don't have a conviction in your heart about how much God loves you and others, you will never go after others. And I had the opportunity, thank you, Jesus, to work in a program with people that everybody didn't like. Project Rock Out of School Suspension Program is a group of people who are not victims. They're, what do you call the opposite of a victim? A perpetrator? They're perps. (laughs) They're people who are getting in trouble, people who are breaking rules, people who are hurting others. And what I realized from doing that is God actually has a heart for everybody, whether or not you love them. And I heard a prophet say this one time. He said, you have no ability or authority to minister to somebody you cannot love.
So you might not agree with something, but you love the person anyway. There's many things that there's sin, and I don't agree with sin, and I don't like sin, and I have a tenacity to get rid of sin in your life, but not because you're the problem, because sin's the problem, and I love you. Can you say amen? And so God loves people. He loves people of all colors. He loves people of all religions. He loves people of all nationalities. He loves people of all sizes. Praise God, when I was in 10th grade, I was 4 foot 11, and he still loved me. Little old me, like Zacchaeus. So say this, God loves people. And if I don't love them, I have no authority to minister to them. It's the love of God that transforms the heart. It's the love of God. It's the goodness of God that causes people to come to repentance. And if God loves something, we should. Isn't that true? If it's God's will and I say, God, not my will, but your will be done, then that should be my will. Open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 through 15. This is going to be an epic service today. I feel it in my bones. He's about to move. By the way, only God can judge me. Just kidding. By the way, that's not even true. Do you realize that anybody can judge you? Yeah. Especially like those appointed by the criminal justice department. People say stuff because they heard someone say it doesn't even make sense. Say this, anybody can judge me. <laughs> they can. All right. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 through 15. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Say the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Who knew that Jesus is coming back very soon? Jesus is coming back very soon. We are in what, you can keep that up there. You can, we're in what you call the last days. And we're not just in the last days, we're in the final hours of the last days. How do you know? Because the last days started when the prophecy from Joel was fulfilled, when he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Well, when was that? That happened in the book of Acts chapter 2. So from that time, we began the last days. So if we've been in the last days for thousands of years, then we are in the final hours of the last days. And you say, well, then I shouldn't be worried because we probably have a few more thousand. No, we don't. It's not looking like it. The Bible is full of prophecy, end time prophecy. And right now, if you read the book of Revelation and you simultaneously scroll through Facebook, and turn on the news, they say the same things. It's kind of wild. Pastor Selena talking at the offering last week about some of this stuff, about the hearts of people. How people will call what is good evil and what is evil good. Is that not happening? 
Right now, just so you know, there's whole uh, lists of church groups, and they're called domestic terrorists. The government is listing church people as domestic terrorists. Talk about calling what's, what's good evil. And then they call what's evil good. It's like the most ridiculous things that even 30 years ago, if you were to say, hey, this is going to be legal and this is going to be encouraged, you would look and be like, what? There's no way. But say this with me. Say, Jesus is coming soon. The Bible says he's going to come as unexpectedly as a thief in the night. In the twinkling of an eye, two people will be working in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. The rapture of the church is real. For all the religious people that are in here that say the word rapture is not written in the Bible, the word Bible is not written in the Bible. Rapture comes from the word harpazo, which actually means catching away. And the word catching away is in the Bible. Can you say amen? Just maybe study a little bit before you say something. The rapture's happening. It's real. There's biblical prophecy that talk about the days that are to come. When... The disciples were with Jesus, and they were walking past the fig tree. By the way, the fig tree in the Bible always represents Israel. Bible scholars understand that the fig tree represents Israel. And they're walking past the fig tree, and the fig tree was dead. And Jesus looks at his disciples, and he says, I tell you the truth. The day that this fig tree buds again. In other words, the day that Israel becomes a nation, the generation that's alive to see this happen will not pass from the earth before the end time comes. Israel became a nation in 1948. The maximum amount of time of one generation is 120 years according to the Bible. Say this to the person next to you. We're very close. Say, Jesus is coming soon and very soon. So why am I sharing this with you? I'm not trying to put Bible scholar things in your head, but I want you to know is that we're on a race of time. That time is running out. And before time is out, my goal in life and your goal in life should be to bring as many people with us as we can to eternal life. Can you say amen? And I don't want to wait till I get uh, gray-headed to begin this work. I already got three. Look at the person next to you say, start right now. Sometimes when we read scripture about Jesus coming back soon, we think about our own life. Think about your children. Are they saved? Are they ready for his coming? Think about your parents. Are they ready for his coming? Think about your friends. Are they ready for his coming? So we have to begin to get the heart of God for people. Can you say amen? All right. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. 
Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. The only reason Jesus hasn't come back yet is because he's given people time to be saved. There's not one thing in the Bible, there's not one prophecy that is holding the rapture. That is the next thing. That is the next thing that's to be fulfilled. That means it can happen at any time. And so Jesus, what is he waiting for? Why hasn't he come back already? You know, sometimes you get saved and you're like, God, just take me to heaven. The reason why he hasn't come back is because he wants everyone saved. Does that mean everybody will be saved? No. But he wants them to have an opportunity to be saved. Can you say amen? So then let's go to Romans chapter 10, verse 5 through 15. Actually, I'm going to skip down. Go to Romans 10, 7. See where that starts, because I don't have it written. All right, verse 8. The message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart, and that message is the very message about faith that we preach. This is God's heart. Listen to this carefully. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Say, that's me. But how can they call on them to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if no one tells them or if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? How will anybody go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. God wants everyone to be saved. But how can they be saved if they don't hear the good news? Some of you in here, your life changed recently because you heard the news, the good news about Jesus. Some of you in here, it was years ago. That's why you stuck around. Because the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. And when you hear the good news, your life changes. The Bible says that when you get saved and you accept Christ, you don't just get set free from your sin. You become a new person. The old things are gone. Behold, all things become new. There's people in here today. This good news is getting ready to change your life. There's people in here today. You're going to get so set on fire with this good news in your heart that many people are going to be saved because of you. Many people that were going to spend eternity in hell won't spend eternity in hell because of you. 
There's people right now who are struggling with addictions, and you're going to go set them free by the power of God. Can you say amen? But you got to get this heart of God for people. You have to see that there's people that if you don't tell them the good news, they're going to die and go to hell. Hell's hot. I don't want to go to hell. Do you know in the beginning when I first got saved, I thought of hell the wrong way. I thought hell was like, okay, well, this is where the devil and his crowd hangs out. I'll go there. I mean, what? We're going to hang out and party. No, look at the person next to you say, that's not hell. Hell is an eternal lake of fire. And God created the lake of fire for the devil and his crowd. God did not create the lake of fire for people. So it's God's will that everybody gets saved. But God loves us so much that he will not even force salvation on people. That is why when Adam was in the Garden of Eden, he gave him choice. Because he didn't want to force his love on people. He wanted to give them that choice. And I'm telling you right now, that as you go full of the fire of God with the message of the gospel, the the gospel on your lips begins to work in people's hearts. Can you say amen? And you're going to be the vessel that God uses to set people free. This, This series right here is about you getting on fire to, to complete this purpose in the earth. Not to hear my stories, but to begin to form your own stories by the power of God. Not to hear my testimonies, but to have your own testimonies. Can you say amen? And I promise you, if you'll begin to focus on what God's doing through you, you won't be focused on what's happening to you. And what's happening to you is going to feel a lot better. Can you say amen? If you focus on the proper race. Amen. So number one, God has this will that everybody gets saved. He's not being slow for no reason, but he's being patient for people's sakes. He wants more people to come to heaven. He wants more people to get saved. So this is the Great Commission. Mark 16, chapter 15, verse 15 through 20. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Say this, I'm called by the Lord to go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. If you will go and tell people the good news about Jesus Christ, he will show up. I remember we would take people to the projects in Fort Pierce. I remember one time I was actually walking down from some, one of the houses in the projects, and this police officer pulls up to me. And he's like, bro, what are you doing here? I'm like, what are you doing here? I said it. I'm like, what do you mean, what am I doing? What are you doing here? Am I not allowed here? 
He's like, no, bro, this is, this is a dangerous place to be. I'm like, not for me. I was like, don't worry, I'm all right. I'm praying with people. Have a blessed day. And so we'd take people into the projects, and we would see radical things take place as we shared the good news with people. I remember Janelle's son, Caleb. He came with us. He was 13 years old. And we have scripts. And by the way, if you guys come on on that Saturday, we go soul winning, which I encourage you to do. It's powerful. We'll train you. But there's a script. You can't mess it up. I'm telling you, and I'm not saying this to make fun of him. I, when I was witnessing to this lady with Caleb, I was getting irritated of, because of how long it took him to go through this script. He stuttered through the entire thing. But I look up at the lady, and the lady is pouring tears out of her eyes. Ha, 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 has anyone told you pouring tears and so we pray with her she gives her life to Jesus she gets saved she messages the church a couple weeks later and says I just want to let you guys know somebody came to my house and prayed with me I've been addicted to drugs for years and I have not had one withdrawal and one desire to do drugs since he prayed Say this, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for anyone who believes. Anybody. And so you might feel weird because you're sharing it. You might feel like you're getting mocked because you're sharing it. But all you need is one good time for somebody to get set free when you share it and you no longer care what anybody thinks about you. One time we went soul winning. I took one of the kids with me on the streets, and he didn't want to go. His mom made him go. (laughs) She made him go. So I was like, send him with me, because I like to have fun. I get him laughing, and then all of a sudden, he'd be all right. And I I knew I was going to make him try. And so he comes with me, and I led a few people to the Lord. I have the script, and I say, hey, come follow me over here. And we walk up to this lady, and I'm telling you, I'm blown away by how God's using him. Because he watched the, as I'm preaching the gospel to other people, he's seeing the change that's happening. I mean, you're talking to one person, and then the word of God changes their demeanor. It's the gospel. The gospel actually has power on the inside of it. And so as we're praying for it, we walk up to this lady. He looks at her. He calls her out by her name. Ma'am, you ha- she, he calls her by name and says, you have back problems. You woke up with back problems this morning, and God wants to heal you. And I turn to him, and I'm like. And then he looks at me, and he goes. And I'm like, bro, you're getting words of knowledge. First time. And he leads the lady to the Lord. She's crying, how did you know that about me? She gets totally healed. Through a kid. Say this with me. Say, there's no junior Holy Ghost. Say this with me. There's no senior Holy Ghost. There's only one Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is God. And so God has a desire to win people to him. And he has a desire to turn believers into ambassadors for Christ. You know what an ambassador does in another country? They got like authority. 
can't take those people to jail. You got authority. You do whatever you want in the name of your country. Well, guess what? You can't do whatever you want. As long as it follows the Bible, you can do whatever you want in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're going to see that as you go out and you make your life about more than just your life, and you, call, you actually make your life about others, God is going to use you to do crazy, awesome things. Can you say amen? So we have a desire this year to raise people up, not just to, to, to build their own life, but to actually win the lost. Can you say amen? And some of you right now, you're like, what are you talking about? I'm not called to this. This is not for me. But I'm telling you, when you allow this, this gospel message to get in your heart, you, if you actually look at what you've been doing since you've been saved, you already started. The problem's not with new people that come to the Lord. The problem is with people who've been in church too long. When you first come to the Lord, you're already sharing with people. Am I right? When you first get saved, you want to tell everybody about what God's doing. And so some, for some people in here, we just got to shake a little dust off. But say this with me. Say, I'm a soul winner. Yes, you are. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So that's Jesus telling his disciples the same things I've taught you. Go teach all your new disciples. And so when Jesus teaches them, go into all the world and preach the gospel, that's not just for them. That's for you. Say it's for me. God has called you to go into the world and to impact the world. As the church, we're not just supposed to stay in the church. We're supposed to go impact the community. And at this church, we're impacting nations. Can you say amen? So that's why we do crusades. That's why we take... We take uh, resources and invest resources to getting the lost here. There's many churches who they, they just focus on church people and they regurgitate church people. And people go from one church to the next church to the next church to the next church. But there's no lost people coming into the kingdom. That's not the call of God. The call of God is to win the lost. Can you say amen? To tell people before it's eternally too late that there is a Savior and you can have him. And it doesn't take a lot. Yeah, we have a script, but it's not about, you don't have to do it exactly how the script says to do it. That's just a good resource. Somebody said, how do you know if they're actually saved? Well, that's between them and Jesus. There's two, when Jesus died, there's two thieves, one on his left, one on his right. One of them mocks God, gets his eyes pecked out, spends eternity in hell. And one of them says, Lord, remember me. How do you get saved? Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God and confess with your mouth that he is Lord. Lord, remember me. And he looks at him and says, surely you'll be with me this day in paradise. Some people think in a, in a little evangelism encounter on the street, the person's not saved. You have no idea what you're talking about. I've had the most radical encounters you could ever imagine on the streets. Powerful stuff happens in church, but powerful stuff happens on the streets. And so I want to talk to you today 
about God giving you power to become a witness. Say this, God is giving me power to be a witness. To win in your own personal life and then to win people to him. So that they can begin to win in their personal life. And there's nothing, there's no feeling in the world like when you are in the will of God and you're helping others. You, it is more blessed to be a blessing than it is to, to be blessed yourself. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's just not with money. When somebody's struggling and you see them break through and you walk with them through that to their breakthrough, there is no greater feeling in the world. It actually builds your spirit up. Jesus said, I have a nourishment that you know not of. It comes from doing the will of my Father who sent me. In Tampa at Dr. Rodney's church, if people have attitudes in their church, they don't, they don't even have meetings with them to correct them. They send them soul winning. You're going to go on the streets and get your mind off of you. And that's God's heart. God wants us, we dealt with selfishness at the altar last week. Get your mind off you. What's not going your way and put your mind on others. There's somebody somewhere in some country today that is in a worse off situation than you. And chances are they're smiling. I've seen, man, there's a video that went viral last year. And it was a little boy in, 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 in Africa. And they're singing. You guys know it. I guarantee it. Thank you for sunshine. Thank you for rain. Thank you for joy. Thank you for pain. It's a beautiful day. And then we have people in America who are pouting over everything. The AC broke. You're pouting. You name it. Think about it. We, we take things for granted. But there's people overseas in other countries that have nothing and they appreciate. If we would get our minds off self and we would put our minds on the lost, your whole life would begin to change. You'd actually begin to appreciate what you have. Because you're not so focused on what you have. Me, me, more, more, more. You're like them, them. Bless, bless, bless. Help, bless, help, bless. What do you need? I got you. And then you turn around and you're like, I thought I didn't have it, but I actually have it. Praise the Lord. And then you turn back around and it's there again. Praise the Lord. And you t- Why? Because what you make happen for other people, God makes happen for you. And there is a level of you having to go after this thing. God is not going to win the loss, ladies and gentlemen, newsflash. God's not going to win the loss. He's doing it through you. You say, but God is sovereign. God can come down and God can do. Do you know that God in his sovereignty chose to partner with you and me to go win people to Jesus? That is how he planned to do it. And that's how he wants to do it. But how will they hear if nobody tells them? Look at the person next to you say, you got nice feet. 
How do you know? Because the Bible says that how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is going to be a year where everybody in this church is winning the loss. It's not just going to be the evangelists. It's not just going to be the pastors. It's not just going to be leadership. But the body of Christ is going to tell people about his goodness. There's people in this church right now because a believer came and told you about Jesus. When God touches you, you're not the same. You can't hold it in. It's like fire that's shut up in your bones. You can't shut up. Ask my poor parents when I first got saved. I took this thing home and whacked everybody with it. Don't do that. Look at the person next to you and say, you're not supposed to. Bark scriptures at people. You're supposed to love them. You're actually supposed to look like Jesus, not sound like some religious nugget. But this thing was, I was so impacted by God, I didn't know what to do. And I was like, God, I just want to tell people. Ah! (laughs) Who knows what I'm talking about? Many of you are in here because somebody came and told you about Jesus. I bet there's more people in here by word of mouth than there is by signage and flyers, even though I spend like all my time making them. There's more people in here by word of mouth. Why? Because people are relational. And what God has done for one, God will do for anybody. And people can see the genuineness of the gospel in your voice about what God did for you. And it changes people's lives. But the devil wants to distract you with nonsense so you shut up. Don't shut up. Talk about him. Testify about him. Speak about his goodness. Declare the truth. Don't hold back. Can you say amen? When somebody is complaining, don't don't get mad at them for complaining. Just speak life. Somebody's complaining. Oh, well, guess what? Everything's about to turn around for you. You speak life. When I hear people complain, it draws me to them. One day I heard somebody complaining about money. And I didn't want to just bring up scripture because if I just say the Bible says, they may not believe in the Bible. But the Bible's truth. And I went up to them and I was like, I was like, I get what you're saying. But I was like, think about the flowers in the fields. I was like, think about how pretty they are, how beautifully they're dressed. Now I'm speaking scripture. They just don't know it. Think about how beautifully they're dressed. God takes care of them. He clothes them. I was like, look at the birds in the sky. Do you ever see they're afraid that they're not going to have anything to eat? No, they're eating and they're happy and they're singing and they're chirping. And aren't you far more valuable to God than they are? Aren't you more valuable to God than the birds in the sky and the flowers on the ground? But he takes care of them. And so you actually begin to line yourself up with God and say, God, when there is an opportunity, I'm not going to keep my mouth shut. And so you're listening. You're not weird. Say this, I don't have to be weird. Christians don't have to be weird. I know for some reason there's a pull to try and be, don't be weird. 
You can actually talk to people without being weird. Don't be religious. Look at the person next to you and say, don't be religious. People freak out because they did something. Oh, that's, God's mad at me. Doubt it. Just, just focus on something else. Relax. Say, take a chill. And so God wants to actually give you opportunity to witness, but then he gives you power to do it. God gives you, uh, he changes you on the inside. Say this, God does it to me, and then he does it through me. That's God's desire. And so if the enemy's been attacking you, this is where we focus. Oh, I'm being attacked, I'm being attacked. And it always seems like it's in a certain area. Maybe it's just God uh, getting ready to change what the enemy meant for evil and turn it so that everybody else that's been struggling in that area, you get to set them free. And then it... If your life just becomes about, hey, I'm not going to worry that the enemy did anything to me. I'm going to use this as fuel. You're going to rue the day that you ever touched me in that way. You're going to rue the day that you ever came against my family. Because I'm getting ready to take what you meant for evil and God's turning it for good. So now everybody that is struggling with that thing, they're about to get set free. Do you know when I was a kid, I was so insecure. I was insecure, man. I remember when I first got married, my wife, if she even touched the keys because we had an argument, I was a wreck. I thought she was going to leave me for the rest of my life. We had an argument one day. I was insecure, man. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I was in Christ. I didn't know that God loved me. I heard it. I just didn't get set free from the insecurity. And I was in the shower thinking like, I won that argument. Mm. Mm. And she, I hear the keys jingle, and I'm like, no, I didn't win. You won. And I ran out of the shower. She's already... Down the stairs, she's getting ready to open the door. And I fell down the stairs, butt naked. And then I stood up. And I looked at her. And we died laughing. And it was that day that I realized I have an issue. Oh, I never knew that till this day. She forgot her jacket in the car. (laughs) So the stuff on the inside of you, God wants to get rid of that so that you can then help others. I'm not insecure anymore. I have this confident hope in Jesus Christ. And when people are insecure, I know that I have the authority to set the captive free. Through Jesus Christ, can you say amen? Amen. Now I'm on a mission. I don't make fun of insecure people. I understand insecurity, and I have authority to set them free. And the love of God sets people free. The love of God breaks every bondage off of people. 
Because God is love. Can you say amen? Remember, you only have authority to minister to the ones that you love. And love doesn't mean you agree with everything they do. It just means you see through what they do. Because people, and that's what I started off talking about Project Rock. I see that people who nobody else can see value in, God has given me the ability to see value in them. And I see that people who are burdened down, and they're actually being bullied, so that causes them to bully. People are, they're they're a victim. But it's a spiritual battle. And so then when God sets victims free from a spiritual thing, they no longer victimize others. When you can begin to care about people, no, you have to look past their behaviors. We're so caught up in, in what people do on the outside that you can't see who God called them to be. And you have to, as somebody who cares about others, you have to see the finished product. You have to look at people and see the finished product. I don't see you broken. I see you restored in Jesus' name. There's a guy, he's a prophet of God. His name's Sean Bowles. And he gets words of knowledge about people, like radical things. And he'll speak them out, and it's powerful. And uh, he said, God spoke to me, and he said, your gift is totally transferable. Meaning that anybody can operate it. And he said the key is that they learn to love like I love. When you begin to love others and care about them the way God does, God will show you secrets about them so you can set them free. Say this, God loves people and so do I. The Bible says that every commandment can fit into these two things. There's 613 laws and 10 commandments, and all of them can be summed up in these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you get those two things, everything else will fall into place. If you love God and you love people, you don't steal. If you love God and you love people, you don't murder. Amen. So what's our focus on? God and people. God wants you to go after him, and then he wants you to go after people. And you don't get saved by these works. But after you get saved, it is important that we do the work of the Lord. Can you say amen? So God gives you power to be a witness. Elizabeth who's John the Baptist's mom, when she had John in her womb, she actually was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so as soon as Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, power came upon her to be a witness. Say this with me. God wants to fill me with his Holy Spirit, and then power will come upon me to be a witness. Luke chapter 1, verse 41 through 45. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy, You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. 
Luke 1, 8 through 17. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. When the incense were being burned, a crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. Come on. And he, he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God, and he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. As soon as John was filled with the Holy Spirit, he, he was given power to be a witness. Elizabeth was given power to be a witness. What did she do? She went to Mary and she said, you are going to give birth to, to Jesus. As soon as she got filled with the Holy Ghost, there's this unction that came on the inside of her to, to witness to what happened. Say power. Say God wants to give me power to be a witness. God wants to give you overwhelming power to be a witness. That when somebody hears the gospel through your mouth, there's no way they're not getting saved because there's power to set them free. Can you say amen? When John the Baptist got in the presence of the Lord, because who's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire? Jesus. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit and fire. So while Mary has Jesus in her womb, she steps into the presence of Elizabeth with John in her womb, and they get baptized in the Holy Ghost. From the womb, what was John's purpose? He baptized with water, but he said, there's one coming after me who I'm not even worthy to unstrap his sandals, and he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. So his life was to announce, to witness of the goodness of God and what was to come through Jesus Christ. That was his purpose. And he was baptized in the Holy Spirit in his wife's womb. Why? Because how could he witness about Jesus without that baptism? He had to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he only knew when he was baptizing in water and Jesus began to walk towards him. And he said, that is the one. That's the Messiah. Say this with me. The Holy Spirit comes upon me for me, but he, he's in me. I'm sorry. Say this. The Holy Spirit comes in me for me, but he comes upon me for others. The Holy Spirit is an all-consuming fire. He's a refiner's fire. He comes upon in you to work out and burn out the things of the flesh, to burn out the junk, to burn out everything the enemy has tried to tack onto your life. It burns it out, but then he comes upon you to give you power to witness to other people. Acts 1 verse 8. 
But after that, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and he will give you power to be a witness. The Holy Spirit gave uh, Mary power to be a witness. The Holy Spirit gave Elizabeth power to be a witness, gave John power to be a witness, gave Jesus power to be a witness, and the Holy Spirit wants to give you power to be a witness. People say this all the time to me. They say, do I need the Holy Spirit to get to heaven? And this is how I respond. You need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. If God died and gave up his son for us, and Jesus said, I got to go, because if I don't go, I cannot send you the advocate, the helper, the one who's going to come and lead you and guide you into all truth. If God gave that up for us and made it available to us, why would we spend one more minute without it? You need the Holy Ghost. Say, I need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the engine on the inside of the car. You need the Holy Ghost. He's the one that gives you the power to tell about Jesus Christ. The gospel has power in it, but when you have the gospel and the power of the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, man, things begin to happen. One time we took the youth out to St. Lucie West. And we told them, hey, we're going to go to Starbucks, bring 10 bucks, and we're just going to bless people with coffee. And then once you bless somebody, you have them. I mean, dude, I just bought you coffee. You're going to hear me now. <laughs> Say tricks. Say bait. What did Jesus do? He went to the disciples who were catching fish, and he said, hey, come with me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. So you got to use bait to catch good fish, right? So we went, we said, hey, we'll buy you a coffee. And, and then we would buy them a coffee, we'd lead them to Jesus. One lady, I'm walking up to her car, and as I'm walking up to her car, she rolls her window down and starts crying. I haven't even mentioned Jesus. I haven't mentioned the gospel. I didn't even open my mouth yet. She starts crying and telling me all about her problems in her life. First of all, if there's a guy walking up to you in the drive-thru line at Starbucks, you don't think it's a good thing. You're like, what the heck? But there's power to be a witness. And God wants to take your life. And rather than get you to worry about everything that's going on with you, God wants to equip you and empower you to become a witness for him. She got saved. Love. People think that love is like coddling, where it's just sympathy and empathy. That's, love brings a solution to people's problems. God wants to use you to deliver a solution to people's problems for your generation. So God gives you power to be a witness. It's not like, hey, come to the one that can help you. Now have a good day. No, God wants to use you to set them free. That way they're not having an encounter with words and religion, but they're having an encounter with God. The disciples said, we didn't come with wise and persuasive words of man's wisdom, but we came with demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. One day we were having a fresh start in here, and there was a girl at Club Pure where her foot was ha like this much shorter than the other foot. 
She hobbled everywhere that she went, up and down the hallways, week in and week out. And one day we were in Fresh Start, and I just got sick of it. And I'm like, God, you gave us power to be a witness. This girl's getting ready to get set free. And so I said, hey, come up here. We sat her right here on the stage. That's probably why there's a ding in the stage right here. We sat, no, I'm joking. We sat her right here. And everybody gathers around. And I said, I want everybody to open their eyes. We're going to watch God do this miracle. And now I've prayed for people. I remember Miss Elsabee would teach us about doing miracles and trusting God and stepping out in faith and how we have the power to do it. Do you know the Bible says that miracle signs and wonders follow them that believe? As somebody who believes and preaches the gospel, you don't have to chase miracles. They chase you. If you'll be faithful to say, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but use me, God will use you. And all of a sudden, you say stuff out of your mouth, and you're like, what did I just say? Now you have to do it, God, or I'm going to look stupid. And I, we sat her down, and we're all gathered around. I looked at everybody. I said, you're going to keep your eyes open, and we're going to watch God do this miracle. And as I prayed for her, her leg grew a foot a foot. We watched her leg grow out straight. And that girl has been coming to our program every summer. She comes back. And I asked her, she, every day she comes, she has no more hobble. She, her legs are totally straight. And she says she's pain free. And I said, she walked like she still walks a little funny. And I said, what is that? She's like, I literally have to learn how to walk now with the same size legs. But God set her free. Say power to be a witness. Say power to be a witness. God wants to use you with power. I remember the first time I ever went soul winning. I was with Pastor Nick. We went to Washington, D.C. And I, I never did it before. And they say, hey, uh, by the way, you two, you're going to be on the bus ministry tomorrow. What? Bus ministry is no joke. You're, you're hopping on buses public transit and you have to preach the gospel to the people on the bus shouting from the front before the bus leaves now the bus drivers don't want you there you realize that so I get on there I say hey uh can I just have 20 seconds no I'm leaving in five seconds that's all I need has anybody ever told you God loves you and has a good plan for your life and that's scary. I remember when I, we had to go, and they told me what to do. I was like, I ain't doing it. You can go ahead and do it, Pastor Nick. I'll watch. But then I, I'm watching, and they do it, and 14 people get saved with tears in their eyes. You're talking like 20 seconds of preaching the gospel. But they're crying. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Because you are filled with the Holy Ghost and you have power to be a witness. God doesn't leave you out there to do it yourself. Say power. And so I get out there, I jump on the bus. Me and Pastor Nick led 400 people to the Lord in two hours. Our, our whole group of people. And so God wants to use you. God wants to move through you, but you have to be willing to, to, to be open and allow him to do that. If we're so fixed on ourselves this year and about my life and what I'm doing, then guess what? God will be speaking, but you're not even listening. And God wants to use you.
God wants to set people free through your hands, through your feet, through your mouth, through your life. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Thank you, Jesus. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the fire of the Holy Ghost. I ask you, even as we're sitting here this morning, Lord, that you would come and begin to work on every single heart. I thank you, Lord, that you stir in us your heart, God. That the same things that break your heart would break our heart. That you would cause us to put our eyes on others and have a desire on the inside of us to win people to Jesus. That you would, you would breathe life into us and give us a passion to win the lost, God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray for you if you wouldn't mind. Would you just come step out in the altar right here and lift your hands? Thank you, Jesus. Come, I want to pray for you. If that's okay. Thank you, Jesus. I want every person that's here today to get hungry about what I'm talking about. Nobody can make you do this. Do you hear me? Lift your hands. As you do, the fire of the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Jesus' name be filled. That's it now. Nobody can make you care about others but the Holy Ghost. And I can't make you get hungry. But I can share with you about what God has done through my life. And I encourage you, get on board with what God wants to do through your life. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. What I don't like is when people start to think like, as a minister, you have to do stuff or else. I'm not here to perform for one of you. Amen. But God wants to take your life and he wants to do great and mighty things through you. And whether or not you receive that is up to you. Paul was talking to his predecessor, Timothy, and he's, he's talking to him and he says, fan into flames the gift God gave you by the laying on of hands. You know, it's not God's job to come fan you today. It is our job to jump in the river. Can you say amen? Not ankle deep, not knee deep, not waist deep, not shoulder deep, but over the cliff, fully submerged into what God has. That's your choice. Close your eyes in this place. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, let that fire fall on every hungry heart. Let it fall in this place even now. Stir up the fire on the inside of you. Come on, if you could pray in the Holy Ghost, begin to pray all over this place right now. Manny, step in the aisle right here. Thank you, Jesus, for the fire of the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Lord, that he will run with fire in Jesus' name. Be filled. Fresh, fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost in him.
Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Begin to fan it even now. So I remember being so scared. I was in Washington, D.C. And I said, God, I don't really want to do this. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's happening, God. I don't know what to do, Lord. I'm not used to this. I never talked about God before. I never spoke to anybody about Jesus. I'm afraid. What if they judge me? What if they, what if they think I'm weird? What if they think I'm one of those weird Jesus people? Well, guess what? People think you're weird anyway, no matter what you do. So you might as well do the work of the Lord. And so it was my debut. I never won anybody to Jesus. But I'm sitting in the sauna with Pastor Nick the day before we're supposed to go out. And I'm scared. And I'm like, God, he's going to judge me. And I, I just broke through. Say breakthrough. Do you know that the enemy will put fear on you? He'll try. But it's the love of God that casts out fear. And so I'm sitting in that sauna. There's a guy in there. For some reason, there's always a half-naked guy in the sauna. Anyway, no judgment. It wasn't Planet Fitness, but still no judgment. And so I, I, I just went for it. And I looked at him and I said, has anyone ever told you God loves you and has a good plan for your life? And he spoke back to me in like perfect Russian, and I had no idea what he said. And I was like, Shoot, now I really am embarrassed. Pastor Nick busts out laughing at me. It was the most embarrassing thing that ever happened in my life. Come, step right here. Come out in the aisle and lift your hands. See, what God's doing right now is he's breaking people's hearts for souls. You know why? Because it's not about my words. It's about the Holy Ghost. And I prayed today and I said, God, break their heart for what breaks your heart. Because I can't make that happen. Lift your hands as you do. The fire of God comes upon you. Now be filled. That's it. Fire of the Holy Ghost. Power to be a witness. If you want it, then just take your eyes off me and put your eyes on Jesus. Because he's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire. But I said the next day going to be easy because there's no way it's going to be as embarrassing as this. And then we hopped on the buses. 72 people I personally led to the Lord in one day. And I did, it wasn't about being prideful to say, God, I won 72 people to the Lord. But I remember looking at those numbers and seeing those people. And then when they graduate from this life, they're not going to spend eternity in fire. But they're going to be with their families in heaven. They're going to be running on streets of gold. They're going to live their life on the earth with victory. When somebody texts me over the weekend and says, this is my year. This is not going to be the year that drugs or alcohol has my life. But God is setting me up this year. Everything is worth it. There's a specific girl that used to mock me every time I preached. And she would talk to her friends in the back every time I preached, mocking me. And I, you know what I did? I just loved her. And I would encourage her to come to the altar. And I remember one day I'm walking by her. 
And as I'm walking by her, I stop in front of her and God sends me into a vision. I can see into her, her bedroom. She's laying on the bed. I see her desk on the side. I see Jesus sitting next to her. I see her footboard and a chest at the end of her footboard. I describe her room to her. And I said, you're wondering why you're alive right now. And I want to let you know it's because of Jesus that you're alive right now. He was sitting on your bed that night. That's what I said. This girl, no matter how, no matter what God's doing in a room, this is how she is. Like a frog on a lily pad. Just. I'm like, I literally, I'm like, I missed it. I was in the flesh. I didn't see none of that, Jesus. But I knew. And so I kept walking. The next Friday, we had a devotion because this was in teen summer camp. We have a devotion. And I call, I said, does anybody have a testimony of what God has been doing in your life this summer? And she raises her hand. I about fell off my chair. And I said, come on, tell them what God's doing. And she grabbed the mic and she said, I did not believe in anything you guys were talking about at this place until last fresh start. And I said, why? And she said, when you stood in front of me and you, show, you talked to me about my room and that Jesus was the only reason I was alive that night, she said, a few weeks ago, I took a whole bottle of pills and I texted all my friends and told them I loved them. And she said, I knew I wouldn't wake up in the morning. And she said, I couldn't figure out why I opened my eyes and I was alive. And she said, when you said that to me, God showed me that he loves me and cares about me. And as she's sharing, now listen to this, as she's sharing about how God set her free from the spirit of suicide, a girl screams at the top of her lungs, they're gone, they're gone, they're gone. I'm like, what demons are gone? And she starts screaming, my scars from cutting myself, they're gone. They're gone. And then three other girls check their arms, and they all start screaming because their scars are gone. I checked. They're gone. And God not only will remove the sin from your life, but he will remove everything that the enemy holds over your head to remind you of that time period in your life. And God not only removes the sin, but he removes the effects of sin in your life. There's people that you need healed of blood disorders because of sin in your life. It'll be healed today in Jesus' name. I'm going to speak it. Let AIDS be healed in Jesus' mighty name. Hep A, Hep C, Hep B, Hep D, E, F, G, be healed in Jesus' name. Whatever sickness and disease you have, be healed in Jesus' name. I speak over cancer right now. Be healed. In the mighty name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of cancer and I break it off your life in Jesus' name. Be healed. Say this with me. Say, God gives me power to be a witness. And it's not for the pastor and the evangelist and the apostle and the teacher. 
And the prophet, it is for every believer. It is for those that will believe and those that will go and do. And if you will believe and go do, God's going to back you up with signs and wonders following. Ashley, come up here. Somebody help her. Thank you, Lord. Lift your hands and close your eyes as you do. The fire of God comes upon you. Jesus' name. Jesus! That's it right now. Be filled. Fresh. Somebody says, I'm already filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, be being filled with the Holy Ghost. Continually be filled with the Holy Spirit and fire. This ain't a one-time show. It's every day. It's every day. Thank you, God, for what you started. Thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Put fire. Put fire on the inside of him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm closing with this. We had a girl one time. She had never been to to our church. She's still in our church. And uh, she, she didn't know anything about the Bible. And we were having a fresh start. And in fresh start, I was praying for people, and people were getting filled. People were getting touched by the Holy Ghost. But before that, she's standing and looking around. She's watching me as I'm preaching. She's watching everybody in the room. And she sees Jesus walk through the glass. And he has fire in his hands like this. And she said, every time I would go up to somebody and pray for them, he would put fire on them and they would drop. The girl doesn't know that Jesus Christ is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire, but it's him. In church or outside of church, it doesn't matter where you are. If you get filled with the Holy Ghost, Jesus is putting that Holy Spirit and fire on the inside of you. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. And it is for everybody. Say it's for everyone. Say it's for me. God wants to fill you with his spirit. For you and for others. Because if he gets on the inside of you, like I was telling you, I struggled with insecurity. I struggle no more. Life's not a struggle. The struggle is not real. The blessing of God is real. Life's not a struggle. Life's a blessing. Can you say amen? And that Holy Ghost that set me free wants to set other people free. But it's, not, it's something that people, they get saved and then they don't go after the Holy Ghost. Go after him. Ask God for him. And God said, if you being a good father, give good gifts to your children, how much more will I give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? This is not to get people to come up and shake and fall on the ground. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the Holy Spirit getting on the inside of you so that you can win in this life. Win for yourself personally and then win others to Jesus. He comes in you for you. He comes upon you for others. Can you say amen?
Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you right now for every person that's in this place. Lord, I thank you for this year, 2024. That it'll be a year marked by the harvest of souls that comes into the kingdom. I thank you, God, for 2,000 souls this year just from this ministry. Lord, I thank you that the people of this church would go out and win the lost at any cost. Lord, that our life would look as an example to others about Jesus. Lord, even as you brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, through the wilderness, and into the promised land. And there was not one sick or feeble among their tribes. You provided every need. You helped them, God. I thank you, Lord, that you do the very same thing for us. I thank you, Father, that every member of this church, every person that comes to this church will know God, and they will be able to help others know Him. With power. If you're in this place today. And you've never given your life to the Lord. If you were to die today. You don't know where you would go. Where you would spend eternity. I want to tell you. That God has a special place for you in heaven. It doesn't matter where you've been. Or what you've done. God sent his one and only son. So that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And God wants to come set you free today. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And you confess with your mouth that he's Lord, you'll be saved. You say, but I don't feel like I can do that. I don't feel like I'm worthy of that. It's not about what you've done. It's about what he did. And it's a free gift. You can lay your head on the pillow at night and know that you have peace with God. If you're in this place and you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to pray with us now, I want you to just lift your hand. I want to pray with you. You've never given your life to the Lord. Maybe you have. But you know you haven't been living right with God and you want to come back today. If that's you, raise your hand. Well, praise God. Praise the Lord. Everybody in here saved. But there's another thing. That's to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. See... We can send you out and say, go win the lost. But without the Holy Ghost, there's no power. And that's the difference between the real and religion is the power of God. The Bible says that people will have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. God doesn't want you to have a form of godliness. But he wants you to walk in power. The Holy Spirit is your friend. He wants to help you. I remember when I was 19 years old and I hadn't yet fully surrendered to God. I was drinking. 
watching the Super Bowl with a bunch of my friends, and I'm sitting on the couch, and I hear in my spirit strong. If you don't go call her right now, you're going to lose her for the rest of your life. And I knew whatever was speaking to me was talking about victory, my wife. And I stood up like this. <gasps> because it was so real, I instantly sobered up and I ran outside and I called her. And I said, God just spoke to me and this is what he said. And she said, it's funny you're calling me right now. And we're going to save the details. But let's just say, I wouldn't have been with her today if I didn't obey the Holy Ghost. And what's crazy to me is when I got saved... A new spirit God put within me. The Bible says when you get saved, your spirit becomes one with his. And because of that renewed spirit, I was able to hear the voice of God. And when you take what God did for you and you bring it to an altar and you say, Father, fill me with the Holy Spirit and fire. There's a whole new level of power that comes upon you and you have access to. He comes in you for you. He comes upon you for others.